0: Lizanne, glad you're here with us. I know you recently published an article on investor sentiment, and this is very important. You have a great chart capturing consumer confidence and what's happening here. Is What's misleading and what's on point here?
1: Well, first of all, I think the the stretched sentiment story is not a new story. That's really probably the biggest risk that has come out of the success of the market over the past 15 months or so. And sentiment, when it gets stretched in and of itself, isn't anything resembling an imminent contrarian signal for the market. Uh, We certainly learned that in the late 1990s, but it does represent a background risk, especially if either there is deterioration in breath conditions, which there has been recently, at least based on short-term measures, or there's some sort of negative catalyst. A lot of people don't remember that January and into the beginning of February last year, sentiment had gotten very, very stretched. And then, of course, we got the, the mother of all Uh, negative catalysts in the form of the the virus. And uh, I think the severity of the decline and the swiftness of it, we know was virus related, but also was tied to those stretched sentiment conditions. So uh, the only good news I would say at this point is that most of the real speculative fervor in the last six months or so has been concentrated in areas outside of the traditional broad averages, be it crypto, which you talked about, SPACs, non-profitable tech companies, the meme stocks, a heavily shorted stocks. So we've been able to kind of prick those mini bubbles, as I've been calling them, through this process of rotation without it taking the broad market down with it. That's not a bad scenario for easing some of the sentiment excess.
0: We hear Powell saying that the Fed is monitoring inflation very carefully um, and actually noting that he thinks it will mo- you know, moderate some what are your thoughts on what we're seeing with inflation? we you got in the PPI today, the CPI yesterday, both running hot, as you know. Um, your thoughts.
1: So I think fairly soon, probably within the next month, with the next month's data, it, you you start to move away from those mathematical base effects because it was the beginning of the summer last year where you started to see a lift in some of those inflation metrics. I think the the supply chain disruptions, the supply demand imbalances, that really is a function of, of what product or service you're talking about. I think the semiconductor problem, which is obviously fed into lots of areas, sure. not least being new cars, which is fed into the surge in used car prices, that may be more of a medium term issue. And then it's a question of the psychology of inflation. A lot of people don't realize that what happens when you get into 70s style inflation is psychology plays a big part. That's the spiral piece of it that uh, becomes an increase in wages, turns into a not just a one time reset, but the systemic year after year inflation problem. I still don't think the conditions for that type of an environment uh, exist. And I think maybe one of the interesting messages that could be coming from within the stock market, if you look at the breadth statistics we were talking about, Severe weakness in areas like materials and energy, which isn't consistent with an inflation story that lasts for months and months, if not years and years. So I think the combination of the message that's come from the bond market with, uh, you know, the 10 year treasury still sub 1.4 and maybe underlying trends within the equity market are for now supportive of maybe not this inflation problem uh, ending imminently it not turning into 70s style, systemic wage price spiral version right. of inflation.
0: Right, yeah. And as you're noting here, right, and we've seen households in different situations, some have been investing, right? And as we talked about memes and, and new investors, some have been struggling and, re, and require the stimulus. And so I feel like we've have a lot of little different stories as far as it goes. Yeah. Jolts, we have record openings for jobs. Um, and others who just are not ready to return to work, childcare, afraid to bring COVID home, um, or just getting some stimulus still. All of that, I guess, will go away in the fall. But uh, what else are you watching when it comes to what's going on with households?
1: Yeah, so this uh, chart that you've got up here is a very long-term look, kind of post-World War II look at overall allocation to equities by U.S. households. And you can see it's it's just below the all-time high that uh, we hit back in the nineteen ninety nine period of of time. Now, that doesn't mean it can't go higher from here, but I think right. instructive is what the yellow line represents, which is the subsequent ten year return for equities. and it it suggests we should, temper expectations for very positive returns in the next 10 years, simply because a lot of that juice which comes into play when you're at low levels of equity exposure, like existed in the very early 90s in advance of what became the the 20 year bull run, Um, that doesn't exist in this environment right now. So it doesn't mean deep negative returns. I just think in conjunction with very stretched valuations and this high household exposure to equities, we just wanna make sure that return expectations beyond the very near term are in keeping with some of those stretched sentiment and valuation conditions.
0: And as chief investment strategist, I'm sure you put out a cautionary note as well as to being diversified. And don't put all your eggs in one basket, as you said, to not only um, sort of temper our expectations, but also to do this and invest in a smart way. Right. Not
1: only diversification, but I'd say in particular, the the tried and true discipline that really should be heeded in this environment is just periodic rebalancing. In fact, what's interesting about that prior chart on household equity exposure is up until recently, The last 10 years or so wasn't dominated by a fund flow story. You you had been seeing inflows into equity ETFs, but outflows out of traditional mutual funds. And the overall flow story is not behind this rise. What's behind this rise is obviously the success of the market and the lack of rebalancing that was was done. The beauty of, of rebalancing, it's sort of a boring thing to talk about, but it forces us to do what we know we're supposed to, which is not so much right. buy low sell high. that almost infers all in all out, but add low trim high. And it, it's yeah. such a beautiful discipline because your portfolio is telling when you when it's time to do something you don't have to worry about you know which talking head me or otherwise um, you know has the right call on on the market. Your portfolio is the guide for when to take profits or add to maybe where there's been some weakness.
0: Right. And you know we always have a lot of education here on the network as well, things like dollar cost averaging and rebalancing the yep. portfolio trimming, taking some, some of your profits off the table, and being very selective at that. Um, as we hear from Jay Powell today talking about what you mentioned, um, the, what we've been seeing with semis and autos, and, and talking about the restraints there, GDP at a fast rate, jolts in the opening there. Um, what are uh, What's on your mind as the big picture goes forward? How are you feeling about the economy, the reopening, um, I'd love to say we feel so great and optimistic, but I guess it's a slow—it's <laughs> a slow trajectory. Even though GDP is flying and all that, it just feels like it's going to take some time, right?
1: It's going to take time. Uh, I think we're we're all coming to the realization that we are in the midst of, if not already past, based on just calendar timeline the peak growth rate in terms of both the economy and likely um, earnings. That doesn't mean the same thing as peak growth and level terms will continue to grow. But just by virtue of the math, the rate of growth is uh, was was probably peaked in the in the second quarter. And that does tend to usher in not necessarily significant weakness for the market, but more bouts of volatility. Obviously, with dealing with the Delta variant, there's not a sense that we're going to see broad-scale lockdowns, certainly not at the federal level, probably not even at the state or local level. But I think what's important to look at is some of those real-time, short-duration metrics, whether it's open-table seated diners or TSA traveler throughput or hotel occupancy that have really been booming in the reopening phase to see whether human behavior adjusts to concerns about the Delta variant. So you can have a potential right. hiccup in the economy that comes just because of how we react to concerns about the virus. So, unfortunately, that as a factor is is still very much in, in front of us, and that's the big factor of uncertainty that we don't know. And then the other, I suppose, risk that is part of the narrative these days is Fed policy. Uh, you know, are they, are they setting themselves up for a policy mistake either by tightening? Uh, too quickly or too forcefully if this is indeed transitory or if they get behind the curve. So cycles forever have often ended because of what monetary policy authorities do, not purposely making a mistake, but just the timing is a bit off. So I think we we always have to have that in our in our sites, especially in an environment where we're going from such loose monetary policy now to this shift toward uh, tapering. Uh, So I, I just don't think those could
0: be some volatility drivers.